Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This panel has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and presenters at Metatopia 2019. Episode 260, Paying It Forward, Supporting Diverse Creators. Presented by Jason Pitt, Kat Tobin, Amanda Valentine, Lauren McManon, and Camden Wright. So, welcome everyone to this panel. Um, very well attended panel of uh, approximately 800 people uh, uh, about supporting uh, new creators in various ways. Uh, this is a panel uh, brought by a stellar group of panelists, and I'm moderating. Um, but we wanted to collectively talk about ways that we can make the industry um, a more vibrant and inclusive place by including new voices and new creators and highlighting the ways that some of the more experienced folks and communities and companies are able to leverage their existing experience and resources to better support these new creators, creators and new creative works. So, uh, my name is Jason Pitt, Justice of Legend Publishing, and to my right... Um, kia ora, I am Lauren McManaman, I am a tabletop role-playing game editor and designer. I um, have worked with some self-publishers and some very small publishing companies, and I am very excited to be here with all these fantastic people. <laughs> and I believe you have been managing a publication of some kind. Oh, uh, I have been, I am the present editor of the Gauntlet Codex, um, which comes out every month with a bunch of supplementary games and new games and all that kind of thing, yeah. Cool. Um, my name's Kat Tobin, and I'm the co-owner and managing director of Hellgrain Press, a tabletop role-playing game company. Who has also done such excellent things as, come um, on. So, <laughs> um, so I um, uh, worked with a lot of um, emerging writers on a story games anthology called Seven Wonders, um, which w is a fantastic collection that I'm super, super proud of. Um, and I've also been really privileged to be able to license the Hashtag Feminism anthology from um, the editors of that and, and publish that. Uh, I'm Camden Wright. I'm a game designer and writer, and I'm currently the diversity coordinator for the IGDN, the Game Developers Network. Uh, one of the things that we do is bring uh, eight designers from marginalized spaces to Manitopia every year and provide them with hotels and food stipends and support and mentoring both before and after the Right, and let's turn this on to make sure that we have decent volume. That's nice. Nice. All right. I am Amanda Valentine. I am a freelance RPG editor. <laughs> uh, and you've worked for which companies? 
And we should try to make sure that we have good volume uh, for the recording because I mean, the mic is pretty good, but yeah. All right, wonderful. So we have all been leading, coordinating, supporting various initiatives uh, to support new voices coming into the community. The point of this panel is for us to talk about uh, what we are capable of giving and what challenges we have in offering support. How we can make space for particularly the new generation of designers um, and offer support without speaking over them or imparting, quite frankly, some of the trauma that a lot of the old guard have on various issues. Um, as we talk about the forge, etc. I mean, there's plenty of trauma kicking around the community that a lot of the experienced folks have been burned. And we have to be really careful not to um, pass along uh, some of our cautionary tales that were led, that were created by past conflicts and uh, having those interfere with the creative expression um, and radical vulnerability of some of the newest creatives uh, in the industry. Um, so are there any particular thoughts uh, first up on the panel? Uh, I think I have a unique perspective on the new creatives because my 18-year-old daughter is now a professional game writer and any award-winning author. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, watching her start to navigate the, the world that her dad and I have been in for pretty much all of her life, and knowing that we need to let her be herself, that we can't... We can guide her, but we can't tell her what she should and shouldn't do. Um, set up an editor, but I don't edit her work when she's working for somebody else unless I've been hired to be her editor. Um, and it's just, it's a little nerve-wracking, and like you were saying about the stories, on some level I want to be like, here are all the things you should watch out for! And on the other hand, I really need her to be able to go her own way and forge her own path so that she learns the lessons she needs to learn and isn't given the trauma that she doesn't need to carry. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it's very interesting watching a very young creative start to move away. Well, also, uh, she happens to be a fantastic uh, freelancer, so just saying. Which, you know, we would hope. And yeah. <sighs> What are your thoughts? Uh, okay, for the mics. <laughs> yeah, that's a big topic. Um, so uh, just everything. Just yeah, just know. everything. What are your thoughts, thoughts on life on and the universe? Uh, I, I think if uh, you're talking about uh, bringing in whether it's new creators in general or new creators from marginalized spaces in particular, 
Um, I think that it's important to ask questions. Um, you know, is it okay? You know, like first, um, as somebody who has uh, helped facilitate eight designers coming this year, I was part of the program last year. Here before that, I was one of the recipients. Um, one of the things that um, I find that people well-intentioned often that donate money to these things and will donate time, will donate um, their energy, their work, what they don't often do is say, tell me about your game, and then listen. Um, they don't uh, say, what help do you need? They don't ask, is it okay if I give you my opinion on this? Um, often those um, asking for consent pieces and finding out where they are, you know, what's your goal? I mean, it's, certainly there are people that do that, uh, but it's a, it's also a startlingly small percentage experience, my personal experience. Um, so I think that engaging people to find out what they actually need and not assuming that you know um, is an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, I think, I think that's a really, really great point. Um, and having been involved in, in a couple of kind of different diversity kind of initiatives and, and working really hard kind of behind the scenes as well to kind of create opportunities for marginalized um, creators um, and like so with with a thing that I've found is that with particularly with marginalized creators um, the our industry for a very long time has been a lot of white dudes um, and so all of the people with all of the experience and the majority of the power are white dudes and so when you're explicitly kind of reaching out to marginalized creators the, the kind of the you know, even if you're not bringing the trauma of kind of past negative experiences into it, you are still like the the kind of structures of inequality are still there because the marginalized creators have not had the same opportunities, so they haven't been able to develop their careers in the same way that um, less marginalized people have been. And so, even without kind of realizing it, you're you know they are starting off disadvantaged. Right? Is is the whole and and your kind of responsibility then is to like onboard them and to kind of really create um, create entry points into the industry. And I think that Camden's point is is really great in that a lot of times like well like I'm, I'm very conscious that I'm often like a well-intentioned white woman, right? And I'm a little bit like um, oh I'm going to like you know make all of this fine for you kind of thing without actually kind of, like you said, like taking the, the time to stop and listen and say, where are you and what what do you want and how can I support you in in, in your goals kind of thing. And I had a big long conversation um, last night with various people about understanding goals within the industry as well. And I think that's quite important, um, particularly when working with newer creators in, like you said, listening to them and kind of but also helping them to understand where they're trying to go mm -hmm. and teaching them that a big part of how we can help them is them communicating to us what their goals are with their with this entry into the industry. Right? There's no point in us kind of saying, right, here are a load of writing opportunities. If they're like, well, actually, I don't know that I want to be a writer. I'm more kind of interested in being, you know, on the podcast side or being like a streamer or something like that. You know, so it's... Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm very much just saying yes, <laughs> totally agree with what you're saying. Um, 
Yeah, no, I feel quite lucky. Um, so like a couple of years ago, uh, I hadn't even entertained the idea of doing design work. And then um, through the Gauntlet community, which is like a bunch of gamers and like some designers, uh, they, they, they put out their monthly zine. And I remember um, having like a really random idea to reskin Hawkeye's making art for like Sherlock Holmes because I wanted to like fiddle around with the so like power dynamics going on in that game to sort of like equalize it to an adult relationship. And I went to Jason Cordova, the EIC, and I said, hey, like, I've not written a game before, but like, I kind of wanted to go with this. And he was like, yeah, do it. Like, just, uh, you've got like a few months, like, just do a draft. Um, I'll look at it and, and we'll publish it. We'll do the art. We'll like, get it edited for you, like, laid out. Like, just give me what, give me this thing. And like, I didn't have any of like, that trauma. I was just like a kid in a candy shop, like, I love this. Like, I was sitting at my laptop going, like, this is like breathing. And like, having someone say, yes, like, you can do this and I'll help you was like that initial step I needed to go, oh, yeah, I love this and I can do it. This is amazing. And like, optimistic candy, rush sugar dreams, kind of unicorn sparkles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. The biggest, probably the only contribution that I've made uh, from my perspective is uh, I manage the RPG design panel cast that this is being hosted on. Uh, specifically, the purpose of this is to be able to share some of the hard-won and hard-earned uh, knowledge that pretty much just shows up in these halls uh, occasionally late night late night at Gen Con. Uh, but there's a lot of knowledge that is that tends to be hoarded in the minds of old white dudes uh, in the industry who've been here for 40 years uh, who happen to be predominantly from North America uh, and a a lot of these insights and a lot of this key information has been sort of a quiet secret that has been kept away from international audiences who can't happen to travel to New Jersey uh, to attend a convention. Uh, those who are economically disadvantaged, who cannot afford to be traveling, heck, from a city next door to this convention. Uh, and groups that are that have suffered historic uh, oppressions, which have led them to feel unsafe in convention environments on a whole. So my goal was quite simply to spread the knowledge from the brilliant contributors who show up at Metatopia every year and try to make that more available to broader audiences. Um, because I think that sharing information that can be accessed on demand by uh, marginalized communities and designer, new designers can be a good support that isn't too overbearing so long as we don't simply fall back into the old trap of, oh, we've already talked about this, why don't you go and read this thread that has plagued our industry for 
Oh, when, when, when did that site start? Um, <laughs> so I find information sharing is probably the most valuable thing, um, followed very closely by the direct financial uh, support that uh, groups such as the Indie Game Developer Network and Big Bad Con um, with the Babylonic uh, Equity Project. Um, their collective actions to bring uh, underrepresented creators to these large social gatherings for the informal uh, networking that is the lifeblood of the industry. I think these are the two things that are most helpful from my perspective, but I know that there's a lot of other tactics that are also finding some real success. Um, for example, the Evil Hat uh, Fate Worlds project did consist of a lot of support for new writers by giving a small bite-sized uh, settings that would be published uh, and funded with good art direction so that new talent could try their hand at uh, creating uh, products. Um, in a similar vein, the Ashcan program for Magpie uh, has done an excellent job of giving a foot in the door to a large number of um, uh, women and designers of color um, by producing these uh, limited scope um, and easily accessible games that start to build hype and start to build an audience uh, and a name for, in some cases, new talent, in some cases, existing talent who are just that awesome already. Um, I think that those are some valid tactics. Um, but what are some other approaches that people have found have been helpful? Are we starting over on the side? I guess so. You've been quiet for too Go long. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as someone who doesn't hire people, because uh, I'm an editor, I get hired, and then I'm like, woohoo. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I've found is just by making introductions. You know, a new creative is probably a little nervous to walk up to that person that you're actually good friends with, like, whatever, it's fine, they're great. But if you actually make the introduction, either in person at a convention or through email or whatever, just to break that first step, I think that helps a lot. And we can be kind of clicky at conventions and trying to open up, like, there's so many people that I meet here who are like, oh, I'm so glad that so-and-so talked to me my first year of Editopia, I wouldn't be where I am now. And like, it's not panels and stuff, it's like, hi, <laughs> and it just goes from there. And I think it's just being conscious that there are a bunch of new people trying to figure out how to navigate and, and just trying to actively be open to allowing them an in. It's at least an individual thing, which is mostly what I can do right now. But, but then also, like once I know people, 
as new creatives and can be like, oh, I can't take this editing job, but hey, person, whoever, let me introduce you to this editor. And often with the, they're a new editor, but can I tell you how valuable it is to have a new editor start working with you and kind of train them in the way that you want to do things? Because my editing style is based on the people I started editing with. And, you know, so starting those relationships, I think, is really helpful. Um, so hopefully this won't be a controversial statement, but um, uh, hiring people uh, for their talents and their interests, hiring them uh, for those particular projects that those uh, overlap with instead of their marginalizations, I think is a really healthy and helpful thing to bring people in. Um, in my own personal life, I've gotten, uh, I've got one job, somebody reached out and said, I saw a picture of your grandparents that you posted on Facebook. I think you'd be perfect for this job. That was it. That was just like they saw they, they saw this picture of uh, my uh, very Ethiopian old looking family and decided that I was going to be perfect for this project without ever reading anything I'd ever written. <clears throat> Flip side is I get an email from somebody that's like, hey, we need something really sad and we think you'll be perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yes, in fact, I will be perfect for that. Um, and, uh, and, and the and the end result of both of those stories were I took both jobs because the ugly one uh, with uh, what I call well-intentioned racism um, was too big an opportunity for me to pass up. And so I had to suck it up and I had to do, or I chose to, I didn't have to, I chose to suck it up and do it, but do you think that made me feel like I belonged? Uh, and that is not an isolated story. That's just a story I can tell about me without telling somebody else's. Uh, but I think that um, finding out, once again, asking questions, you know, find out, do you love, you know, is cyberpunk your passion or is, and those, uh, those marginalizations uh, may overlap with what they like, with what people like to write. So you may love uh, queer, person of color, cyberpunk in specific, but maybe you don't. Maybe you love telling OSR stories. So hire people for the things that they're good at and they're passionate for instead of just seeing yeah, I think kind of, so um, as a publisher, I'm in a kind of a, um, I'm in a slightly different position, I think, um, to, to other people from Jason. Um, so I have opportunities, right? That's what I have. I have hiring power within my company. I can choose who to hire or who to not. Um, and obviously that's a phenomenal um, ability to have and not everyone has it and I appreciate that but kind of um, connecting what Amanda and Camden have both said um, I think that a thing that I can certainly do is um, you know like Amanda you, you talked about the kind of the networking effect certainly what I can do and what I what I was really lucky to be able to do at Big Bad Con was, was be part of the, the the POC meet and greet and actually meet POC, right? Meet people of colour and, and talk to them, right? In a kind of a casual setting and we talked a bit about what their work interests were and um, the way that that, um, that that event was structured was that we were each told what the other people's kind of areas of interest were. So we were trying, they tried to like match us up with five people that we thought would be fit for. Um, 
and and that was really cool but we got to the more important thing right so it, it ended up being a kind of a situation where people um you know i was able to go and meet people of color who had particular interests that the, the organizers thought that i would be a good fit for um in in terms of like connecting from a network perspective but the biggest impact for me was that they then met me and spoke to me and even though we had this kind of kind of an artificial setup in this room where it was like a bit of a we are all networking and this is a mixer kind of thing and it was really awkward they then felt comfortable to come up to me in the bar the next day and say hey how's it going so you know it was really great to chat to you and that is that was the real benefit was that it broke down there's like an invisible wall between people like me who have the opportunities and people who are trying to work in the industry and it, it's not at anyone's advantage for that wall to be there particularly it you know it disproportionately impacts marginalized communities um, and and events like those that where i can kind of just make myself available just like here like hang out sit down be out in the bar and just be like, hey, you can you can come and talk to me, and I'm I'm not saying I'm gonna hire you, but I am really I I, I can be here and present to talk to you, right? And I'm available to for you to ask questions. Uh, you you can ask me questions. You can you know, and it is possible that I have an opportunity that you'll you'll be a good fit for. But if I don't know you, I don't know that that is your that you are a particularly mm -hmm. sad writer. I don't know that you love cyberpunk. I don't know. That you know, I only know that from meeting you in the bar, and then I can in my head go, oh, I'm looking for a sci-fi writer. You know, I met this person in the bar, and they would be a really great fit for that, and I can make that connection. Um, but yeah, so only if, if I kind of make that, that connection. And also, like you said, like amplifying voices, right? So finding out what people are interested in, just meeting them, and then kind of mentally storing them in my like mental Rolodex. So like if like Evil Hat comes to me and go, hey, you know, do you know any editors who would be good for this? I would be like, well, I couldn't work with this person that I met at this POC meet and greet, but I can help you out. Right? Uh -huh. And if they post on Twitter about you know a thing that they're working on, I can retweet that, right? And I can just kind of amplify that and keep them part of the network and part of the community and, and make it make them more visible. Yeah, the only thing I, I mean, I think in all of that, it's yeah. just being generous and open and like inviting people into your space. And I forget the exact term of phrase, but it's like shifts rise, oh, shifts rising tide shifts. Yeah, and just like, yeah, like you benefit from helping each other out and meeting new people. And mm -hmm. like that just creates a rich, rich games, rich network, like good, a good space. Yeah. <laughs> um, amusingly, uh, a little anecdote. Do you know what my first job was in the industry as a freelancer? For Pelgrane. Oh, really? Hillfolk. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know it. I was one of the 800 people right? who was a who wrote a, a series pitch, a series pitch cool. for, for Hillfolk uh, back in the day because I met with Robin Laws at the Ennies. Uh, and uh, he came back to me when he was looking for stretch goals and he took an opportunity because I spoke to him because I had the opportunity to be at the social mixer of right. the Ennies. I mean, the networking is like our industry is so small, right? It's so small that everyone knows everyone else. Like Rob said, we can be really cliquish 
right? And that's not deliberate. It's just that you know we, like, oh my we, friends, yeah, it's like oh, oh hey, hey you, you know, and you and you only see people at conventions, and so you're like, oh hey, yeah, I haven't seen you in ages. How are you getting on? And but it does mean that the the kind of circles of um, power and influence and connections are reinforced, right? They're constantly moving around this circle. So like we have to be better at bringing people into that circle because that's how people get jobs. Ultimately, I think in our industry. I think that. Um to, to add on to what you've said too, um, I think sometimes uh, we don't appreciate the value of somebody coming to you and mm-hmm. you're know, like, hey, that's Cat Tobin. Mm-hmm. You take time out of your day to chit chat with them. It doesn't matter whether or not they ever work with you. Right. Um, there is a, a lot of validation that comes with that conversation in and of itself. Right. Yeah, and that's and it's interesting because that's something that I think that. I'm trying to work out a way of phrasing this without sounding like an asshole, and I don't think I'm going to be able to. Do it. But I think <laughs> no, but but I think that the people like myself in the industry who have that kind of power, mm-hmm. right? And, and that social capital, essentially, because of our positions within the industry, do not understand or appreciate that because we're all nerds, and we're like. I am just like this tiny little person. <laughs> like, don't look at me. I'm. I am who am I? I am nobody. And we all think like that within the industry. And so we don't acknowledge that power, that social capital, and the what we can give people yeah. just just by by being there and being open. So, Jason, do you mind if I say something nice yep. about you? Yes, <laughs> you mind if I do? But I'll be polite and let you do it anyways. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, last year there was a moment. Um, I'm going to embarrass the hell out of you. Um, there was a moment where uh, a group of designers were uh, getting ready to go to breakfast, uh, hanging out with Jason, and um, there was a designer brand new here, and um, they were kind of standing around awkwardly. Jason looked over and said, hey, do you want to go to breakfast with us? And they're like, uh, how much is it? And Jason said, if you have to ask that, it's free. Come on. And the next words out of his mouth are, tell me about the game you're that Whoa. that is how Brand you make <laughs> um, to me that is one of those moments that I look yeah. to that that's using your power and your influence to include somebody in I don't think they ever work together but it doesn't matter because you belong here was the clear through message of that. Yes. and it's not about what's going on in your life it's not about what struggles you're having you belong here you're a designer just like I'm done now. Oh. Um, one of the uh, biggest gifts that I've found has been that we can casually do, and we really just need to continuously do this. Yeah. So we had a uh, panel earlier today where I simply asked, so who has doesn't feel like they're a designer? Raise your hand. By the power vested in me, you are now all designers. Congratulations. Like, we can bestow this title upon those who are dealing with imposter syndrome, the new creatives, who will latch on to that uh, like an enthusiastic sloth. Mine. Uh, status. Um, and give them the confidence to move forward. Um, one of the more useful things that I've seen happen has been there have been a number of situations where uh, 
mar- um, jobs are offered to people in the industry, and people in the industry have been saying have been saying, "I shouldn't take this goal, this job. I shouldn't take this stretch goal." Here's a list of uh, you know three or four marginalized creators who I think you should reach out to. That would be good fits for this project instead of me. I mean, in some of these cases, it's like, if you want my name, like, I'll do it for you, like, gratis. Just, like, put these people in front of the line. Um, I'm glad to throw my name on uh, supporting a project from a publisher if that publisher is supporting um, marginalized creatives and new creatives. Sure. Um, And I found that that's a very useful path forward. Um... Since we have a bit of time, I wanted to uh, bring back the um, the issue of hiring someone based on their marginalizations as opposed to their passions and skill set. There, one of the early attempts at building more equity and ro- lowering some of these barriers was the uh, stretch goal movement of we will hire marginalized creatives uh, as stretch goals on projects. Now, this started a long time ago, and back then it was a really good step forward. However, there have been very clear explanations in a number of venues about how this can be more and more problematic Um, because there is often the I need someone to fill this checkbox because if I hire one black writer then I'm not racist right? No! No, this is not how the universe works and instead you should be hiring the ample number of incredibly competent designers, writers, layout artists, and uh, illustrators uh, from marginalized communities who are just plain badass and also happen to be not mediocre cis white dudes. I'm allowed to say this. I'm a mediocre cis white dude. Um, But what are some... How should we be adapting things to better suit the realities and move past the old approach? One thing that I've been thinking about is I've seen some projects given to, and and they were passion projects, given to somebody who's in some way marginalized, and then the publisher not wanting to step in too much and therefore giving them an and then it flounders, it often rescued again by somebody, but like that makes that person look um, unprofessional, it makes them look like they're not a reliable person to hire in the future, and it, like is kind of setting people up for failure because they're, despite all the ideas they have, if they haven't done this before, there's a lot of stuff that is second nature to those of us who do this, that they're gonna learn the, the really hard way and often need to be rescued by some, you know, New Yorker white woman who has done this long enough to be able to put everything together and say, okay, here's the structure you need. But when I come in as a rescuer, 
it, you know, makes me look like the savior. It makes me like it just it creates a power dynamic that is not where any of us really want to be. And I, I think it's important to probably ask for what people need, um, but also to make specific offers. That, like, here are some things I can provide for you, so that people aren't feeling like. Oh well, I have to say I'm fine because otherwise I won't look professional. Um, you know, I'm watching the kids learn that being professional, being adult, means asking for help, asking for guidance, using the resources you have. But it's very ingrained in them that being an adult, being a professional, is doing this by yourself. It's like no, 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 <laughs> not even a little bit. But that's the lesson that you have to learn, and when you learn it the hard way, it's just ugly. Need to find ways to set people up for success instead of pulling them out of the brink at the end. All right. Um, <laughs> You're next in line. Yes, I'm next in line, <laughs> apparently. Um, I mean, uh, I agree with Amanda quite a bit, and I think that uh, from my point of view, one of the things that we could do is, um, I, I think it kind of ties all of this in together, is providing a team, providing a community for people and helping them understand what that means. And because, I mean, 99% of the people uh, out in gaming do not produce things by themselves. And that 1% they do, do not do it nearly as much by themselves as, <laughs> as they might believe. Um, and so it, ta it, takes, um, it, it takes a community. If you're doing anything uh, more than like the most basic lasers and feelings hack, but even then, you're often, you know, you're getting people to read it, you're getting feedback. And so being able to say at the forefront, like, here are some things that are typically done by different people. And I want you to understand that we have, when you're ready, if you're ready, uh, we have these resources available to you. This is the community of people that surrounds you to help you get this product made. And having those conversations in a really forthright manner at the beginning, I think can really bolster people and set them up for success because if you don't have access like I'm super super lucky I know a lot of people and so I can uh, you know I can Skype or email something and somebody and say hey I need help I, I didn't even know this was a thing could you explain it to me and then tell me what to go where how to go forward um, but most people aren't that fortunate uh, and so um, and it's only luck that I'm that fortunate so Wow. Honey, that's not luck. You work really hard. I did. I did work hard, but I mean, it's, it's still, both. But yeah. like, it's not all luck. <laughs> it's not all luck, but there is luck does play a part in it. It definitely plays a big part yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're like, well, how did you get where you are? It's like because of the people I knew before I even started this. Yeah. Yes, I worked to get where I am, but right. Yeah. Yes, we've all been very lucky in some way, in a way that other people can't recreate. Yeah. And so, you know, I think helping people create luck uh -huh. by introducing them to people. You're mentioning making the, you know, here's the team you have available, and then maybe making the introduction. Yeah, absolutely. So that they don't have to feel like, oh no, they're not <laughs> well, I, Can I reach out to this person? <laughs> and that's, that's something as somebody who uh, doesn't have a tremendous amount of power and prestige and influence. I'm not producing a, a tremendous number of books. But what I can do is ask somebody, hey, you know, like, what are your goals for this? What's going on? 
and then I can say, you know, like, hey, have you met JC Morningstar? Hey, have you met Cat Coven? Have you met? And if I don't know, uh, we have enough people yeah, in common yeah. that I can say, hey, come yeah, over yeah. here. Would you make that connection for me? Yeah. Um, so, okay, 100%. Yeah. Um, so, I think that, again, like, you know, getting back to what you, Jason, were saying about um, the Fate Worlds project and, and also kind of tying into what, what Cameron was saying about um, not hiring people because of the, the marginalizations. Um, I think creating opportunities for marginalized people to write what they want to write rather than writing something because their grandparents lived <laughs> in Ethiopia, um, I think is really important. Like, you know, again, it's it's just echoing kind of what you've already said about like matching the people to the opportunities because of their interests and what they want to do versus um, the diversity hire kind of, kind of thing. Um, and it, it can be challenging to, especially as like a, a well-meaning kind of person, it, it can be challenging to um, create opportunities that, that do give somebody the flexibility to really explore something that they're passionate about exploring within a construct and a con creative confines that support them to, um, to, to succeed at that rather than to fail at that. And to, to kind of, um, yeah, to, to really work with them before they start to do a thing about what it is that you want and how, like you said, what, what kind of best practice looks like. Um, we're, we're doing um, a kind of a program for our Gumshoe one-to-one setting, which is going to be kind of similar to the, the Fate Worlds thing, where we're going to work with people to develop their own protagonist character and their own setting and their own adventure around that. So it gives them a lot of latitude to choose a time and a place and a character that's really personally interesting to them within a, a creative um, restraint that hopefully shouldn't end up and we'll have a kind of a template kind of um, thing as well for the rules so a lot of the mechanical stuff will be taken care of and it will just be more of a, a kind of a, a, a personal flavor addition and I think I think that kind of a, a strongly supportive structure um, combined with latitude to, to choose your own um, your own theme your own topic I think is, is Hopefully, the way that we can avoid the "Hey, you're a person of color, right? A person of color thing for me," kind of thing. Yeah, no, like you took all the words out of my mouth. I was like, "Dang!" No, 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 they were good words. Though. Yeah, they were. Really <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm so immediately skeptical when I look at a Kickstarter and like the core team is like really hegemonic, and then like you look at the stretch goals and it's like, oh. How coincidental! Like they're all like marginalized people. Um, so like there's like meaningful involvement, like you were saying. Like figure out what people like, how that you can involve them more in your project. Like see their value beyond like, oh, I could add you to a tier on my Kickstarter, and then done. I don't need to worry about adding one more stretch goals. Um, and like yeah, just uh, seeing people for people and including them and being interested in what they're doing and help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and and absolutely kind of um, just just. Treating people as already part of the industry, if they're somewhere like yeah. in Metatopia, right? Everyone here is here because they have um, and a professional interest in what we're doing, right? And they're not just kind of—it's not a consumer show. They're not just kind of consumer people. So, 
Um, like a thing that I try to do, and I don't always remember to, is like if I'm standing in a group of people and somebody comes up, I always try and like introduce people around mm -hmm. so like make sure that everyone is kind of introduced to everyone and everyone knows everyone. Um, and I think that that's like, you know, I think it's the little, the smaller things like that that can really kind of include people and, and normalize people being a part of our circles. Um, that's the like, thing that comes but it's like a really tiny bit. Um, I was asked to be a statistical author on Quietus um, by Ollie Jeffrey, and he was like, oh, what's your rate? And I gave it to him, and he was like, yeah, I kind of want to pay everyone the same, so I'm going to pay you the same as I'm paying Jason Morningstar. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it was just like nice to be like, oh, like, you know, elevate everyone to that level of like, no, you're, you're worth it, like, you're, you have worth. I want your work in here, like you're a designer at the like sort of the same like quote like top tier like sort of the morning stars and that kind of thing. Yeah. I've been doing this for fifteen years or more and it's still so hard to talk about rates. And so to have somebody take charge of that and be like, No, here's what I think you're worth, Jason, I've seen you do this. <laughs> um, it just it really, really helps because otherwise you're like, Well, how much am I worth? I don't know. And you know we always undersell ourselves, and I think it's important to set up that structure because even the people who've been doing this forever have trouble with those conversations. So asking somebody who hasn't done this before to have that conversation is just impossible. No, you're not helping me leave things open-ended. You know, yeah. <laughs> there needs to be some structure there. Um, and I also wanted to respond to something that you had mentioned about how the things that you're doing they don't need to know the mechanics. I think that is so crucial yeah. because when they're like, okay, so I have to master all of this before I can begin to write my thing. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, as an editor, most of the people who are writing, unless they are like the rules people, are going to screw the rules up and I'm going to have to fix them anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's so good to take that part off the right. table. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it really frees people up, and, and it's not a requirement to be a professional in this industry to understand the rules of everything you write for. It just isn't. Yeah. And you, you're actually um, taking, uh, or you're increasing the, the actual profit margin of somebody's work mm -hmm. when you take out the requirement that they right. learn the rules. I mean, because yeah. just yeah. a sheer amount of time. time. Yeah, yeah. But it takes just to get yeah. familiar with the system. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one thing that I've recently done that I found has been helpful is on my website I have published uh, both my effectively my standard rates and a application form for potential freelance opportunities for writing editing etc um, and in this I also allow people to opt in to share um, information concerning uh, areas of marginalization that they'd like to self-identify. Um, and I also, I, I made special efforts to include a question of, can I share this with other people? Yes, yes, but not the self-identification information, no. So that there would be an easy way for anyone to be able to get in, not just the people who I met in the bar of Metatopia. Um, because making information on rates public, making the 
way in, way to apply. I'm not going to give work to many people, but saying, look, there is a channel through which you can put your name in the hat. Um, well, let's just say I've hired two people on this panel because of said effort. So, I mean... <laughs> anyways, so it is currently uh, about 5-2. So are there any last comments or questions or from our audience of five, 800 people? <laughs> All right. Uh, so where can people find you? Um, I am ayvalentine.com at twitter dot gmail <laughs> pretty much ayvalentine for the most part online is me um, I'm at camden at twitter or camden.com uh, um, I'm at cattthm on twitter um, and pulverypress.com is easiest and I am uh, Lauren at the Stray Kiwi on Twitter, and my website is likewise thestraykiwi.com, which has a little bit of editing and design work in one convenient place. Uh, and I am uh, at Genesis of Legend, Genesis of Legend at gmail.com, Genesis of Legend.com, yada yada. So, thank you all for joining, and uh, thank you to our studio audience uh, for this. 